Well, church, I don't know that it gets any better than this. From baptisms to communion to second grade milestones to our Route 56 choir singing for us this morning to our choir constantly knocking it out of the park. I don't know that there is, it is possible for a Sunday to be better than this. But I guess we'll see what we can do next Sunday when my Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> are in the Super Bowl. I want to thank you for all the prayers. There is something about asking people in Athens to root for your football team that does a lot of good. So I just want you to know it is not unappreciated and uh, we just got one more to go. So keep it up, okay? Now this morning we are in week five of our sermon series. It's called Rediscovering Jesus. And what we've been doing over these five weeks is we've been digging into the Gospel of Mark. We've been looking at the life and the ministry of Jesus, and we've really been asking one question. Who is this man? Who is this Jesus that Mark so desperately wants to tell us about? Who is this Jesus that we've heard about and we've learned about? What does it mean for us to be his disciples and to follow him? This morning, we look at another story from the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, this is a story about a very unique invitation that Jesus received to go to a dinner party. Hear how Mark tells the story. So Jesus went out once again beside the sea, and the whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. And as he was walking along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax booth, and so he said to him, follow me. And Levi got up, and he followed him. Well, as Jesus sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And so when the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to Jesus' disciples, why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and with Sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but only those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous to repentance, but sinners. This is the word of God for the people of God. So back in the early days of my ministry, I can remember teaching a Bible study on the life and the ministry of Jesus. And what we did over the course of those eight weeks together is we were looking at different stories throughout the gospel that kind of gave us insight into, into who Jesus was and what he was all about and, and, uh, and just it helped us give us a new understanding about the person of Jesus. And so on the last night of the study, I remember asking uh, all of the participants, I said, what is the one thing you've learned during this study about Jesus that stands out the most? And so we went around the room and we, we had a lot of different answers, a lot of different responses, all of which were unique and interesting, but I will never forget the final person to answer that question because we finally came around the room to Steve and I remember Steve looked at me and then he looked at everyone else and he kind of had this smirk on his face and he, he said to everyone, well, I guess if there's one thing I've noticed about Jesus, it's the fact that he seemed to like to eat 
good food with bad people. (laughs) Now, honestly, I'd never thought about it like that before, so I wasn't sure just how accurate that statement was. But, you know, the longer I pondered it, the more I began to realize that he was right. Jesus did have this unique propensity for wanting to sit down at the table and to break bread with people that the rest of society deemed to be morally questionable. In fact, throughout the Gospels, there are eight different occasions on which Jesus was invited to eat a meal or to go to a dinner party. And in the vast majority of those stories, the people that Jesus ate with were people like prostitutes and sinners. They were religious and and social outcasts. In other words, the people that Jesus ate with the most were the very people that the rest of society wanted nothing to do with. And that's because that's just who Jesus was, and that's what his ministry was all about. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, there are several stories in which Jesus is is seen eating a meal with some dubious dinner mates. But the one I want us to focus on this morning is the one that you just heard me read in Mark chapter 2. It is the very first of these these meal stories in the Gospel of Mark. It is the story of when Jesus went to the house of Levi and he ate dinner. Now, I'm sure that Levi, on the whole, was a really nice guy. You know, I'm sure that when people were signing his high school yearbook, they said things like, don't ever change, you're the best, you're so sweet, don't forget us when you get rich and successful. I I mean, I assume that most people probably liked him throughout his life. There's nothing about him that I'm sure deep down made him a terrible person. But what Mark wants us to understand is that he did have at least one serious character flaw, and that is... He was a tax collector. Now, in the first century, understand that, that there was, there, you could find no bigger traitor than that of a tax collector. Because essentially what a tax collector did is, is they, at one point in their life, they went to the Roman government. They went to the evil empire, the empire that had their boot on the neck of all Jewish people in that area. And they said, You want me to collect taxes for you? I mean, I would be willing to turn my back on my own people and collect taxes for Caesar if you allow me to keep whatever I collect above and beyond what people owe. So for instance, if somebody owed $10 in taxes and he collected 15, he got to keep five of it. That's what tax collectors did in the first century. They basically made a living off of ripping off people from their own community. Now, the upside to being a tax collector in Jesus' day was the fact that you could make a lot of money. The downside, of course, is the fact that you also made a lot of enemies. Because if you were a tax collector, you were hated by everybody. And so when Mark tells us that Jesus not only invited Levi the tax collector to follow him, 
But he also accepted an invitation to his house to eat dinner with Levi and his friends. Understand that this was really, really scandalous. In fact, so scandalous was this that there was a group of people who were there at the dinner party, or at least on the outside who were watching, who were really upset with Jesus. Their names were the Pharisees. And if you know anything about the Pharisees, you know that this was a sect of Judaism. Uh, This was a small group of people within the Jewish religion who identified themselves by their strict adherence to the Jewish law. In fact, the word Pharisee literally means set apart or separate. And that's how they saw themselves. They saw themselves as set apart or separate from the rest of society because they took the Jewish law that seriously. And so if you were the kind of person that also took the Jewish law seriously, then you were good in their book. (laughs) They considered you righteous and upstanding and you were a good person. But if you didn't, if you did not rise to the level of what they thought was righteous or keeping with the law, well then in their book, You were a sinner, you were unclean, you were a bad person. And so when they saw Jesus enter into the house of a moral degenerate like a tax collector, you can understand why the Pharisees were beside themselves. Because understand that in the first century, it was no small thing to eat a meal with another person. You know, you, you didn't just eat a meal with just anybody. No, if you purposely sat down at a table and you broke bread with another human being, that was the ultimate gesture of hospitality. That was the ultimate sign of friendship. And so for Jesus to sit down with this tax collector and his sinful friends, I mean... Pharisees thought, what are you doing? Do you have any idea who you're eating with? For the Pharisees, they they thought that those were the kind of people that you don't sit down and you eat with. No, they're the kind of people that you denounce and you condemn. They're the kind of people that you kept at arm's length and stayed away from. But most of all, these were the kind of people that you look down upon because in their minds, there was no better way of letting the world know how good you are except by pointing out how bad everyone else is. And so that Jesus sat down with these sinners, they were livid. And yet Jesus said, I don't care. (laughs) He just showed up and he took a seat and he was eating a meal and he's talking with this person and having conversation with that person. Jesus refused to go by their rules. And the reason why is because Jesus said, you do know this is why I'm here, right? This is like my, my, my mission. I've come here to help sick people get better. And so what you need to know about me and my ministry is the fact that it's not healthy people who need a doctor. It's only people who are sick. And so I have come to call not the righteous to repentance, but, but rather it's sinners. Jesus said, I have come to call sinners to repentance. Now, if you hear nothing else from my sermon this morning, I hope you hear this. That, my friends, 
is the gospel of grace. Like when we stand up on Sunday mornings and we sing about amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that's what we're talking about. The reason why is because what Mark wants us to understand is that Jesus didn't show up merely to tolerate sinners. No, he came to go after them. He didn't just begrudgingly include them or grit his, his teeth and kind of torture himself through any interactions that he had to have with these sinful people. No, Jesus sat down at the table. He broke bread with them. He befriended them. And the reason why is because when Jesus was at the table with them, he had a message for them. And his message was this. No matter how big your sin is, God's grace is bigger. No matter how deep the hole that you've dug yourself into is, God's mercy is deeper. No matter how far you've strayed from the path, God is always ready to welcome you home. My brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of grace. And it is not a gospel that's always easy for us to hear. Because if we're being honest this morning, one of the things we have to admit is that all of us have just a little bit of Pharisee hiding deep within us. Now, we don't like to admit that, but it is true. Because all of us like to take pride in the things that we do. I went to church today. I put money in the offering plate today. I helped somebody today. I did all of these good things, so look at me. Not only that, but sometimes we even fall into the trap of wanting to make ourselves look good by judging ourselves against other people. And so we might even say, well, <laughs> I'm no saint, but at least I'm not like this guy. And all of a sudden we find ourselves judging each other against other people based on how we see them as good or bad. This gospel of grace it can sometimes be hard for us to hear. More to the point, this gospel of grace can be really hard for us to live out. For instance, many, many years ago, the late great teacher of preaching, Fred Craddock, told a story about uh, Sunday in which he was invited to preach in one of the most prestigious churches in the country at the time. He was invited to preach at the Riverside Church in New York City. Now, at the time, the minister of the church was uh, William Sloan Coffin. And so he called Fred up and he said, I want you to come and preach. And uh, I'm actually going to be on vacation at the time. So you can stay at my apartment when you come. Fred said, great. So he shows up at William Sloan Coffin's apartment. He opens the door and he said, I was struck by just how small this New York City apartment was. It was no bigger than 900 square feet. And so everything was just kind of there. But nevertheless, he said, as I looked around the room, there were all these sticky notes everywhere that I guess Dr. Coffin thought he needed. Like on the door to the bedroom, there's a sticky note that read, bedroom. And on, on the television set, there was a sticky note that read, TV. He said there was even a note heading towards the kitchen that said, kitchen this way. And he's like, it was only two steps away, so... But nevertheless, he said, I was so grateful for those little notes because in that 900-square-foot apartment, he said, I probably would have gotten lost without them, so I was grateful for them. 
He said, the next morning I woke up and I was ready to go to the church, but first I thought I would get some breakfast. So I go to the refrigerator, but on the refrigerator door, there's <laughs> another sticky note that simply reads, don't look in here, it's empty. <laughs> so he said, I decided I needed to find out for myself. So he opened the door and it was right. There was nothing in the refrigerator except for another note that read, told you so. But if you'd like to eat breakfast, you can get some down at the church. Fred said, great. So he grabbed his stuff and off to the church he went. He said, when I got to the church, I noticed this long line of men, at least 250 men who were stretched down the street and around the corner. Men who you could tell had probably spent the last night or two or more living on the streets. Fred said, I went, I went to the back of the line, and there was a man there who said, you looking for the breakfast line? He said, yeah. He said, well, this is it, so get in it. Fred said, great. They got in line, and when he finally got to the front, that's where they served him a, a scoop of eggs and a biscuit. He got a cup of coffee, put it on a tray, and he went to find a seat somewhere, and he was sitting across from this man who clearly had seen better days. He was kind of bedraggled, uh, tired-looking, dirty. And so after a while, Fred finally broke the ice, and he said, so uh, where are you from? And he said, Albany. Oh, really? Albany? What would you do in Albany? He said, well, I was actually a stockbroker for many years. I was really good at it. But I fell into the bottle. I started drinking more than I should, and after a while, I couldn't get out. And so eventually, he said, I lost my job, I lost my marriage, I lost my family, I lost my house, I lost everything. I found myself on the streets. My oldest daughter said that I could come and live with her if I promised to be sober. She said, I don't want my kids growing up with a drunk old man around, so you got to be clean. He said, you got it. He said, I was, for about four or five months, but I couldn't make it. And so here I am. He said, so what do you do? Where, where, where are you from? And Fred said, well, I'm, I'm actually from, from Georgia. He said, really, Georgia? What do you do in Georgia? He said, well, believe it or not, I'm a preacher. And he said, mm-mm-mm, that alcohol will get us all, won't it? Mm. <laughs> Fred Craddock said, it was at that moment that I wanted more than anything to stand up on my chair, to clink on my glass, and to say to all 250 men in that room, all right, listen up, you bunch of losers. I'm not like you, okay? I'm nothing like you. In a few minutes, I'm going to be standing up in one of the great pulpits of this country, and you're going to be back out on the street waiting for your next meal. So know this, you and I are not the same. I am nothing like you. Fred Craddock said, oh, I wanted to say that so bad, but I didn't because it wouldn't have been true. Because at the deepest human level, we're all the same. We are all sinners desperately in need of God's grace. 
We are all patients that are desperately in need of the great physician's healing. Or as the great Martin Luther once said, as Christians who have experienced the grace of God, we are but beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. In other words, 2,000 years later, Jesus is still wanting to eat good food with the likes of you and me. And that's because when Jesus sees us, I hope you know that he does not see good and bad. No, because of the gospel of grace. When he looks at us, the only thing he sees is forgiven. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, that you would welcome us to this place even when we don't deserve it. We are blown away and we are grateful that you would invite us to your table even though we haven't earned it. God, we are blown away, but we are grateful that you would offer us this holy meal of love and grace and forgiveness. God, there aren't enough words for us to say just how grateful we are. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen.